Hey everyone, it's Nathan, this month's host of The Commentarians, and I'm here with Mickey Underwood, and we are here to talk over your movie. Let's do it. Uh, hi everyone, welcome to The Commentarians. Is this Prairie Home Companion? Husband Bulge is now a part of my permanent vocabulary. <laughs> I saw a squirrel. I am going to point out real quick, this is, to me is like the most disturbing scene in the entire movie. Stop listening right now and go watch Firefly. Hey, this is my podcast. I'm sorry, sorry, Joe. <laughs> we are saying that not only have we been wounded, we survive, and there's a God who heals of these wounds. Jesus isn't about the isms. Uh, he's about his kingdom. Because it is kind of like this idea that Jesus died for all of our sins, except when you had sex. And Jesus doesn't cover that. That's right, everyone. We have a returning guest with us, uh, my beautiful wife, Mickey. Uh, she's Aw, shucks. She and I are going to be talking over the movie uh, Finding Neverland uh, with but, Johnny Depp and who else was in that? Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet and uh, Dustin Hoffman. Yes. Uh, Radha Mitchell. Is that how you say her name? Could be. Radha. She probably knows better than I do. Um, well, if we ever run into her, we'll ask her. Sounds sounds like a plan. And um, and uh, Freddie Highmore as uh, Peter Llewellyn, Llewellyn Davies. Yes. Um, so and a couple other children actors, although they're not really children anymore, are they? <laughs> right. I had <laughs> totally forgotten that it was Kate Winslet in this role because it'd been probably a good ten to fifteen years <laughs> since I've watched it. No offense, Kate. You're wonderful, but yeah, no, it's just it's just uh, it's been a little while. Yeah. But Still a good movie, though. Yeah, it came out in 2004, so it's a, uh, you know, if, if you're, uh, you've been around that time, you've had some time to watch it. Um, this has been one of my favorite movies, and we'll talk a little bit about why as things go on. And um, I do want to apologize to everyone for not having a coming attractions episode. Things got a little crazy this month, as you might have imagined. Um, for those of you who are listening far in the future, um, you know, it's uh, during the 2020 uh, virus, uh, coronavirus, COVID-19 scare. So um, we will uh, go on ahead and proceed. Uh, we don't really have a whole lot. Uh, we might check out some Rotten Tomatoes as we go through. But I'd say we... Uh, let's roll it. Since, since Mickey and I have both been here, yeah, well, let's not, we don't really have a bigger introduction. So let's just roll it. And we'll do a 3-2-1 countdown. We'll do 3-2-1 play and play on play, but not on one. Right? And not after play. But not after play. Play on play. Play on play. After but play. But not play on play, yeah. Okay. Just play. Sure. <laughs> I feel like your high school experience was different than mine. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I, I, had, I had more classmates. I mean, I yeah, that's fair. Well, we might get into that later. So anyway, <laughs> uh, so if you've got your uh, movie queued up on zero, here is the official countdown. Three. Two, one, play. play. Nailed it. Got it. <laughs> so I see a cityscape. Is that New York? Where is that? Mm, it says Miramax, but I I don't think that's. I don't think that's where a place. Uh, that's what they are. Miramax Films. Is that what they are? That's where they work. It's who's presenting the feature? Hmm. Who is Miramax? Yes. <laughs> that's something we should research 
I'm sure they're a film company. <laughs> that's my teacher line. If there's a question that I don't know the answer to. Ooh, that's a great thing for you to research. I yeah. like it. I like it. So, um, here we have a finding of Neverland. It's kind of mostly, uh, it's loosely based on a, on true events, I assume. Yeah. Um, Rotten Tomatoes uh, said that it won't pass muster for those looking for historical accuracy, but Finding Neverland is a warm, heartfelt drama with a charm all of its own, and Johnny Depp gives a graceful performance as Peter Pan creator J.M. Barry. So, loosely based on uh, historical events, um, based around the life of the author of um peter the, pan the playwright the playwright the yes. playwright the you know playwright. We, it's good to be precise about this yeah. kind of thing yeah <laughs> we'll go with that so um no i and i do feel bad i i actually i was hoping to get a, a chance to kind of research some of the more historical aspects of this because i don't really actually know much about the the writer of the play um other than the play itself the um, producer of the movie, however, um, I realized he sounded so familiar and I realized he also produced um, Stranger Than Fiction, which was another movie oh, yeah. that uh, Nathan and I um, talked over for commentarians a while back. I didn't realize that was the same um, producer. Yeah, same, maybe not producer, director. Director is what I'm going for there, I believe. Um, and also... Uh, Dustin Hoffman played one of the supporting roles in that movie too. Yes, so yes, that's right. He was in that. Either Dustin Hoffman likes his work, or vice versa, or both. Yeah. Now, I uh, one thing I want to just point out on a personal note here: uh, Mr. Snow kind of reminds me of your uncle. <laughs> and uh, oh, oh yes, with the. Uh, the white beard the and white the very and the, the very kind eyes twinkling eyes oh yeah mm -hmm. and and just kind of like that childish kind of imagination to things and i have one uncle that could be mistaken as a slimmer santa claus this one that much, he's referring to no i'm referring and, to another one yeah oh, oh and you're then saying... i have another a different uncle who is has been referred to as um uh, as Moses. Oh, oh, okay. So, so the, 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 the <laughs> first know, one, we, oh, the one I was thinking of using is a slimmer Santa Claus. Yeah. I was actually thinking of like a, a, I mean, kind of like a kind of looking like a kind of, I, I kind of imagine him as like one of the, not like, I don't want to say, a, I mean, he kind of reminds me of like kind of a kind gnome, like yeah. a lawn gnome. Yes, and I, I hate to say that because it sounds well, insulting. He, he does seem like kind of a mythical, like cheery mythical figure yeah because he is just very kind and loving and um and very fun to talk to i always i always have such good conversations with him because he's also kind of a theology nerd mm -hmm. so. yes kind of very uh, much uh, so. i say i say kind of that was basically his career right <laughs> yes <laughs> so yeah. um yeah but uh this guy here uh, was in pirates of the caribbean oh i did the guy that kept losing his yeah, eye. Yeah, the guy kept losing his I eye. I forgot about. I didn't recognize him. And uh, I love this scene here because I think I think you and I, as like people who are creatives who have 
uh, put together events. You probably more so than I have put together events that other people are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you're just, you're, you just kind of have that moment. And I always have this moment at the beginning where it's like, what am I even doing? Like, what is <laughs> right. this? This is, right. this is bubkis. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, the, uh, I always, I always think of, uh, and I always, okay. So, uh, what's that movie that's around Christmas time? It's, uh, it's a wonderful L- life. Love actually. Oh, that the, one. The other one, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and you know, then they've got the, 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 the singer who's basically, he should be retired and mm-hmm. he's trying to record this Christmas Love single. Is, oh, I probably shouldn't. You shouldn't. It. Let's Sorry. not get copyright. We don't have copyright. Sorry. Yeah. So that was um, probably enough to but, jog their memory. But yeah, the, the, the raining in the theater, you know, that feeling when you, when you have a bad show. <laughs> it's all I, terrible. I've had some bad shows. <laughs> um, the, uh, but no, there's that, that scene where they're in the studio and one of the guys in the sound booth said, this is, this is, uh, well, he uses an expletive, basically calls it crap. And the other guy says, yeah, solid gold crap because they realize that what they're doing is what the people want. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to go on and be like, this is mm-hmm. what's expected. And you just do it as a performer. And uh, now I do think that apparently this play actually did fall flat from what I understand. Right. But I have had those moments, even when I've had good performances, where um, I, I go into it and I'm like, what am I even doing here? all my songs are just ridiculous. And uh, then you go through and you play the show and people give you good reviews and you're like, okay, maybe it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So Mm -hmm. that was, that was definitely one of the things that I can relate to in this. So. Oh, terrible review. Mr. Barry's play fails to impress. Yeah. (laughs) Those those are almost worse than like, you know, really scathing. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it didn't impress. Yeah, and it's just yeah. It's worse worse than terrible. <laughs> it was mediocre. <laughs> well, I guess I guess it's not the worst thing. <laughs> I actually, I worked with a guy in a studio once. Um, that I it was in his home studio, but we were working on some stuff and. And his his commentary on on the stuff that it was like, you're good. You're a good musician. Your writing is just mediocre enough that it could go really well with people. (laughs) (laughs) Can't go too far over their heads with that. Yeah. So I I don't know what you make of that. Mm -hmm. um, I do love the. uh, The fetch ball on the tennis or the tennis, the fishing pole. Mm hmm. I'm obviously such a sportsman. <laughs> That's the kind of thing I've actually seen where uh, some dads have done that with kids hitting their baseballs. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's an actual thing. Oh, you can like, buy. Yeah. Like it can actually be purchased that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. well, I'll have to keep that in mind in case <laughs> the children ever get into sports. Right. I know. Uh... And I do love the large St. Bernard. Mm-hmm. So this would be our youngest right here mm-hmm. uh, under the bench. That. <laughs> I might point out that you're laying under my bench. But I'm in a dungeon. 
Yes. And, and in his mind and our youngest child's mind, it really would be the dungeon. Yeah. Uh, I can't move. I'm trapped. Yeah. <laughs> Do you not understand the rules of the world that exist in my head? <laughs> and uh, fortunately for these kids, um, uh, Mr. Barry does seem to understand these he rules. Because all of those rules are, you know, he probably created half of the same ones. Yeah. Yeah. He lives in his own fantasy land as well. Yeah, I, uh, no, there's one thing I, I, I do kind of get that because as a child, I was probably very similar to our youngest in a lot of ways with the imagination and everything in my head was larger than life. I think, uh, and of course, I'm going on what I remember. Who knows what happened before I remember things? I mean, everyone kind of has their own life before they remember what their life was, right? Yes. Yeah. Right? Does that make sense? I, yes. You know, before you're like five or six, everything's just kind of a yeah, smat a smattering of images and yes, strange sensations of life, right? Agreed. Yeah. So I do. From what I remember, I did get to the point where I was like, I was a little more able to like tamp the imaginary stuff down a little bit, but I still <laughs> always existed in that like, you know. Kind of where where Mr. Barry is. Um, maybe I should have written more things down. I might have might have been a playwright or something. There you go. Well, that's what I love. Later in the um, film, he gives one of the boys a journal or a you know blank notebook and just says, "Just start writing. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't have to be good. Just just write. Just get in the habit." Mm-hmm. This is one of the things that I always do like whenever I see actors who can do really well with children. Even if it's just in the scene. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I do like that. Um, that's one of the things that totally unrelated. It's uh, Steve Carell. Like, anytime you see him in a scene with children, like, he manages to make the children the, the star of, of mm -hmm. that moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just, he's just, that's, I don't see a lot of actors who can do that. And so that's, that's a, he's totally unrelated to what we're watching here, but, but I do like I that. I can't remember, did, did we look up, is that, um, the same actor that was in August Rush? Uh, it is. Um, yeah. we didn't look it up. I just recognized him. Mm -hmm. So unless there's another child that looks exactly like that one in Hollywood. You can't hear the eye rolling over the. Over the mics right now. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's an audio show, so I might as well say what I'm thinking, right? Right. I, I suppose. Within, within reason. Within reason. <laughs> so, for those of you that aren't watching with us, uh, he's just met, um, what's her name? Kate Winslet's character. Uh, I can't remember the... And uh, they've met in the park along with her three, four? I believe four. Uh, children. Yep, four. Sons. Right there. And uh, he's putting on a little impromptu play. And for uh, Mr. Barry and probably the children, it's all coming to life. In, uh, and it's a circus, uh, like an actual circus, not like craziness. But, um, And so he's already capturing their 
imaginations and their hearts and um, that of the mother as well, of course. Um, but he's enjoying himself immensely and he's found a an audience that loves what he's doing. And um, after this failed play, he's his creativity is coming back to life, it seems. Yeah. Or he's going back to basics, really, back to what brings him joy and um, why he first loved creating and entertaining an audience. Yeah. No, there, there's definitely, I, I kind of get that, um, not from a creative sense, you know, because I've, I've never really necessarily been paid to be a creative, but <laughs> I, I did work selling instruments for a while. And I know that there is that kind of that, like that pressure to perform. And, and, and that's what sales is. It's all a performance. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, it's just, you know, your, your job is to uh, pretend to be, very excited about all kinds of instruments all the time. And then when you get done, you're like, I'm not excited about my instruments. And so just took me a while after leaving that to really get back to enjoying playing mm-hmm. guitar and just, um, just creating. So I, yeah. I kind of get that. Well, and I get paid to be creative for my job, um, which I absolutely love my job and I love my work. Um, and, but you do get into those spots where it's like, oh, now I'm just getting paid for this and I have to make it better and I have to mo- make it more exciting. And, um, I have to keep a captive audience of, you know, six to 12 year olds <laughs> entertained day in, day out, um, while still learning the craft behind the creativity, um, which I love. I mean, it's an, amazing challenge and I would never want well at this point anyways I would never want to do anything else um for a living I love making music with kids um but it's a kind of a similar thing like when I get home I'm done hearing sounds and I'm done Mm -hmm. making music so I rarely um play music for myself anymore so I am I do have a piano student that's starting to get into the um Inter, late intermediate um, repertoire, so I'm actually having to practice to keep up with him, and so that's a really fun challenge. And I'll make myself do it because I it's part of my job. So yeah, but I'm glad. Yeah, for the for those of you who don't know, uh, I, I think we might have mentioned before, Mickey is a is a music teacher, mm-hmm. and she teaches K through twelve general music. K through eight. K through eight. Sorry. Yes. K through eight general music, mm-hmm. and so yeah, there's and then private piano lessons also. She's very good at it. And I love it all. Yeah, and so. Which has been a challenge amidst the quarantine, because you can't really make great music with a group via Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> no offense to Zoom. They've been, I've been very grateful to at least see my students and keep my um, piano studio going. One-on-one, it's working out great. But the audio lag just by nature of the beast is a little challenging. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's just the be, be, things being via the internet. Um, so yeah, but you're, you're talking about, uh, not wanting to hear any more noise when you get home. And that was kind of, that's, that's actually during that time I got into a lot of, uh, electronic stuff and started listening to more rap and things like mm-hmm. that because rap and hip hop, because there was, uh, 
you know, you're in the guitar department. By the time you get off work, you'll say, hey, we're one, hey, we're one more distorted guitar sound today. Right. Also, lot, we'll listen to a lot of talk radio at that time. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and you have the commutes. Actually, you know, okay, so we're not really giving anything of substance yet, but uh, the <laughs> it, I, I lucked out in all my jobs in Dallas. I was within 20 minutes of work. Uh, that I mean, when I live down there, that's if anyone who lives in the Dallas area knows if you can get within 20 minutes of work, you're right? doing pretty good. Yeah. That's like when I lived in Austin, same thing. Yeah, I don't know how that happened, but somehow I managed to get there. So, um, but yeah, I I do think it's kind of interesting um, that he's basically <laughs> this the scene where he's playing cowboys and Indians with the uh, with the boys while the mom watches and they're and they're their uh garden i like the way this scene is shot because whenever uh you can tell everyone's into it there you know there's a lot more of the background of the the blue screen western stuff <laughs> and then when uh peter's being doubtful it's all in the the garden mm-hmm. and so i i do think that's very interesting the way they they shot this where it kind of flips back and forth between the perspectives I thought that was a really good piece of movie making. It's, and it's very subtle if you're not paying attention to the yeah, background. Yeah, I didn't notice that before. I did notice that he missed a grand opportunity to name the boy Thomas, but, you know. Because uh, he was doubting. But, um, ching. <laughs> so. Do they really have the hats like that? Or do they just have those laying around? Curious about no. that. Although I guess, I guess, I mean. He has, he has access to, to the whole wardrobe. costume yeah. closet. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, <laughs> he has the costuming department. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So I, I'm trying to remember when I first saw this film. It, it was not too long after it came out. I know I saw it on DVD, but I think I put off watching it for a long time because I heard a lot of really good things about it. I tend to do that too much good stuff about a movie <laughs> want to let it get over the hype or yeah. let the hype settle before. yeah yeah and then and then uh when i did watch it i i bought it shortly thereafter because i wanted to watch it many more times and i think a lot of it is because i do relate to that idea of what do you do when you feel like you've lost direction mm-hmm. and so i it's quite quite feasible that i might have got found this after I uh, after I left a, a certain job so it's mm-hmm. kind of that feeling yeah and so now uh they've invited the whole family over to um Mr. and Mrs. Barry's home uh for dinner along with we got to figure out her the main character's name Kate Winslet's Mrs. Davies. Mrs. Davies. Thank you. Mrs. Davies' mom has come along, who is very much the um, uh, picture of proper society, I would say, and wants everything to be run shipshape and everyone to be respectable. And um, the boy's job is to help around the house since their father passed and um, 
to help toe the line and grow up to be um, contributing members of society and able to earn a living to help take care of their mother. And, mm-hmm. um, and of course, uh, Mr. Barry is of a very different mindset and trying to bring some joy and mirth back into their lives. Yeah. Well, and, and he's also seen where we're following his like kind of passions and creativity has led him into a career. Mm-hmm. And I think he's trying to, to keep the boys from losing that. But yeah, the, and this is, um, as you said, they, they invited everyone over because, uh, the, the mother was, uh, uh, Mrs. Davies mother. Uh, you know, she, uh, Miss Barry thought, Mrs. Barry thought she was going to be her ticket into the upper echelons of high society. And where at this point, Barry's still kind of a struggling playwright who has managed to find like a, managed to find an investor. Yeah. <laughs> How do you do that, by the way? I need to find one of those. <laughs> um, and uh, so he, he's still kind of, <laughs> still finding his legs, as it were. Of course, the sad walk home because the boys were not perfect in front of everyone. Yeah. And Mr. Barry has a sad walk to his room because he didn't, <laughs> wasn't uh, perfect in front of everyone. Yeah, but I did think it was interesting when they opened their doors, his room was like into like a bright, colorful, bright, colorful field. Uh-huh. And, uh, something I I did find out, because I always thought it was interesting they slept in separate bedrooms, but I found out the uh, married couples apparently sleeping in the same room was like a more of an American invention. Yeah, and well, and it's a time period thing. Like, I mean, I remember my grandparents um slept in the same room but they slept in separate twin beds yeah because that was just kind of the the thing yeah well so you know because the the same bed thing kind of apparently became majorly popular when you know property prices were so high in places like new york and things like that that you couldn't afford space for a second bed (laughs) right yeah well, now that I've found earplugs, I'll continue sleeping in the same bed with you. Okay. Well, I'll try not to <laughs> try not to bump you too much. <laughs> so, um, I do like this scene here where um they're trying to get the kite to work and he adds the bell to it. The tinkling bell. Tinkering. Oh. Oh my gosh. So a, was I asleep? A lot of foreshadowing last time we going on this? here. Good grief! It's kind <laughs> of on the nose there. Yeah, and and like you said, for the the accuracy acts aspect of this, I can't speak to it. Um, I just know I really enjoy this. Mm-hmm. And the more that I watch like this, and then think of Stranger Than Fiction, I'm like, ah, yeah, I can see the definite comparisons. Mm-hmm. This one's not quite as off the wall, but um, a lot of the, um, I can't think of the word, the, uh, not plot devices, but um, just the little. Um, the, the tiny the details, details and, and foreshadowing. And, and, mm-hmm. 
self and even well and like the like you were saying the opening the bedroom doors like that seems very um characteristic of mark forster and yeah yeah well yeah like the the scene where um in Stranger Than Fiction, I love the, the scene with Will Ferrell when he's in the counselor's office mm-hmm, and, and the, the clouds, clouds are painted are on going. the wall and uh-huh. they start moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a lot. He does a lot of, of little little tiny details. And I love that shot, too. Where you don't have to have an internal monologue um, to, like, hear what the character's thinking. Like, he actually shows it mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in pictures. Yeah. In moving pictures. In, huh. Who would have thought? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> We're learning all kinds of things tonight. <laughs> so, um, and then, of course... Um, the mother the, has moved in. Putting the kibosh on all the fun. Taking over. And telling him it's time to, time to grow up. And then, <clears throat> don't want to grow up oh man that's what this is all about isn't oh, it man. and so i do like in a, in a second where she's holding the coat hanger and he sees that her hand turns into a hook mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can see that in the costuming with with captain hook later is that a coat hanger what is that i think it's a coat hanger okay that's a hook. That, well, that's not a coat hanger. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, aha, I've got it. Got my new play. Well, part of it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and so. And this scene, and you know, I just don't. I don't know. I'm kind of, I've kind of become a homebody. Like, you know, like coming in late. (laughs) What's that business about? (laughs) But I definitely think that, uh, she has some grounds to be, be a little upset with it. I would agree. However, she's being a bit, I would say, passive aggressive. I mean, she's definitely saying her piece, but she's not actually saying what is going on. Yeah. Oh, no, no. She's she's uh, yeah, she's she's definitely making all kinds of insinuations. She's not actually stating it. She's she's not using I statements. (laughs) She's certainly not at that, is she? I was a psychology major my first two years of college. Me too. That's why we have so much in common. But Uh, yeah, I mean, it is, I think. Just don't ask me about my second two years. Oh, (laughs) and you were, you were, you were a psychology major your first two years. I don't remember those. Two years. Well, no, I said just. I said, oh. don't ask me about my second two years. Oh. I, th- I thought the first two years were the same as your second two years. Oh, uh, I remember a good deal about that. I learned. Quite Anywho, moving Anywho. on. Anywho, uh, sorry. Go anyone ahead. that really knows an incredibly creative personality or mind, um, knows there are 
vast differences between those that have more of a logical, mathematical, linear mind. Um, and it can, he's looking behind him like, who, what? I was making, I, I was looking, I was looking <laughs> at the inner, at the, at the recording software. To but it's sure definitely, um, I mean, I think it's definitely, I don't, I wouldn't say a difference in priorities, but it just a difference in, um, I would say a perception of time. Perception of time would be a good one. That would be a good one. Um, yeah, because Mr. Dave, Mr. Davies, Mr. Barry may not have even realized he was late for dinner because he was so into what was going on, and um, and Mrs. Barry's whole goal is to keep her uh, house running on order and what it looks like to the outside world if her husband's not home at six mm -hmm. for, you know, and, uh, she's more concerned about appearances. Um, it seems. Yeah. And where she wants to go, um, in society rather than what he wants or what she really wants. I mean, that's all she wants. That's, mm -hmm. Yeah, just like that, that, that security, that, that status mm -hmm. and where he's, he's, and I, I do think it, it's kind of interesting because he's kind of going through this whole process of, well, this is my livelihood, but I also need to be able to do it for more than just a livelihood. Mm -hmm. And cause it, it, it does, it wears on you to, to do something that's not really your, you know your passion for <laughs> in order to make money. Mm -hmm. So that's, so I, I think I've done a pretty good job over the years of always being able to with, with work to be able to go, this is what makes my money and it affords me enough time to kind of do the things I want to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a balance. And I think that's where um, the berries are struggling is they're not, figuring out how to make how to strike a balance with each other right right that's they're, that's probably fair kind of going in their opposite directions and not um not making i don't know if compromise compromises come to be a bad word but i think it's not you know like well uh, yeah uh, to reach an understanding and 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 again like you said she she's into this with with different ideas and and I don't recall, was she, you know, there's a hundred different movies about directors and writers and actresses and mm -hmm. people. Was she one of the actresses originally? Like In his plays? In his plays. I don't remember. I can't remember if she was. So I, I know I've seen something like that where like the, the woman was an actress in the, the director's or playwright or somebody's plays and they got involved to get better parts and then it just kind of and then they weren't the center of attention anymore and yeah it, if so it didn't show that in this movie okay but i don't know if that's in the i couldn't remember if it was historical. if it was mentioned at any point so the um 
I do find it interesting, though, that it, it's th it's through these these uh these relationships that he has with the kids that he's kind of figuring out more of who he is and what he wants to do. And uh, I know I've mentioned it before, and again, you know, talking to people who lose us listeners, um, but uh, Jordan Peterson often says that. <laughs> What's that look? <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> um, but no, one of the things that he talks about it, as far as like uh, is is responsibility and maturity and and learning to do something beyond yourself. And one of the things that he says is that people don't really grow up until they have kids. And there's he's, there's a few rare exceptions. He says that that kind of find some purpose that's greater than themselves. Uh, but most people don't actually really mature until they have kids and they know what it's like to give themselves away to something else. And I definitely think that, you know, I think I was okay before we had kids, but it's definitely helped me. I'm kidding. Now you're I, exceptional. Now, <laughs> let's not get carried away here. Um. Well, the, the other thing I was thinking about, um, is like in this time, like counseling and psychiatry and things were not very commonplace, mm -hmm. you know, and he was talking about, you know, his, his brother died at a very young age and his mom only, you know, like his mom was grieving so much mm -hmm. that, um, he got overlooked because he, his mom just wanted his brother back. And so, number one, his mom didn't get any help, and so she was stuck in this um, pit of grief and despair, and so she didn't know how to, you know, get out of it to raise her other boy that was left. Mm -hmm. And then, two, he, um, he never was talked through any of that and how to work through his feelings of always feeling less than mm -hmm. or inadequate and now he's put in a, a marriage that he's feeling the same way you know that he she doesn't really see him yeah she just wants to but but like you were saying like through the relationships with these boys and the conversations with um mrs davies he's starting to like process through some of those things too yeah um through those relationships i can see that and I hadn't quite thought of it in that in those terms, but but even still, it, as much as it's helping him process process through that stuff, I do. When you said that, it kind of when you were talking about that, it kind of I kind of saw like maybe he has even though he hasn't necessarily fully processed a lot of it, it's kind of uh, being able to see where the boys are mm -hmm. in their in their life and not necessarily talk them through and cognitively say hey i'm going to help you through your grief mm -hmm. but seeing that need and just walking those steps with them that he has done before mm -hmm. or what he didn't have that he needed you know yeah yeah <clears throat> oh there's the looks and the glances mm -hmm. yeah. 
Yeah. And there's the wife noticing the looks and the glances. Oh, dun, dun, the dun. glances. <laughs> and thus, they get shipped off to the countryside. <laughs> yeah, you know, okay, I, I do feel like this is kind of a poorly thought out plan here. Right. You know, if, uh, if your wife accuses you of messing around with another woman, whether you are or not, especially if you're not, like taking them up to your country cottage is uh, not the best strategy. Right. <laughs> but at least the um, upper echelon of town society can't see it. Maybe they'll forget all about it. Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Yeah. I think that might be the plan. Because she doesn't really... Well, she probably does. I shouldn't say that. I'm kind of, you know, kind of being hard, a little hard on Mrs. Barry, but it, it feels like she doesn't really care what's actually happening. She just doesn't want anyone to know about it, if it is. Right. That's yeah. probably simplifying her character, but to be fair, they keep her character kind of simple. Well, yeah, no, I, I definitely, well, <laughs> no doubt that, you know, she was, every character was flattened out a little for the role, but I feel like she kind of <laughs> got the worst of right. it. Um, I would like to have a country cottage, though, so if we ever. I'm, I'm on board. Do we have cottages in the U.S.? Mm, I think cabins. you can, I think you can build them new. <laughs> Custom built cottages. Uh, maybe I'll find more some of those prefab ones or something. <laughs> hey, I know people that own one of those custom prefab <laughs> places. <laughs> and I love the the sea here in this scene where they're because it it is it's it kind of has this uh, sense of <laughs> the shark. Sorry. The sense of not only is it big in his imagination, but it's also he is uh, working out the props in his mm -hmm. mind of how this might work on a play. Because uh, that's what he does. And of course, everyone's pirates. I've actually had origami dreams before. Like the, oh. like the, uh, the backdrop to my dream was all origami fish and... <laughs> And waves and things. Now I do say whenever I watch this, uh, it it does kind of make me feel a little like, seasick. No, oh. a little inadequate as a parent. I I don't feel like I do imaginative play well as an adult. The really nice thing about our youngest is you don't really have to do it well because she like writes the script for you. She will tell She'll you go, exactly what hey, you're supposed to say. <laughs> pretend you're an imaginary unicorn and you. She wouldn't say imaginary because it would be real. Yeah. But she'd say, pretend you say, Catsta, come save me. So you just have to say, Catsta, come save me. She kind of like writes the imagination. That's, play that's for true. You. That's very helpful. She's very much a, this is my world and you are going to be in it kind of in her, her mind. Anyhow, was this, this was after Captain Jack Sparrow, correct? Yeah. Um, that was, oh, this, this movie, mm -hmm. uh, I was going to say no. Well, before he, and after, but, like, and during. chronologically, I don't, <laughs> I mean, 
obviously Johnny Depp's playing a different character here. I don't <laughs> I don't think Captain Sparrow <laughs> retired to become a playwright. Oh dear. <laughs> Although, I mean, the play's about pirates, so you know, he, he had plenty of source material. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> he did. Right. <laughs> And was that guy, what was that guy in? Was he also in Pirates of the Caribbean? Perhaps. Was he the, the, um. I don't think he was the sidekick guy, was he? he? I don't know. Because there were the two guys who were in like every movie. But what I love is he's like, wait, I'm not supposed to play the nanny, am I? And he's like, no, you're playing the dog. (laughs) He's like, oh, yes, of of course. Wait. (laughs) No. And then he's just, like, just relieved but the to dog not be is a... the nanny, so yeah, he's just that relieved to not be a nanny. <laughs> and he's drinking. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to need this flask to play this role. <laughs> <laughs> the dog nanny. I mean, to be fair, uh, if I was going to be playing a dog on stage, I might need a nip or two. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and and Dustin Hoffman, who is the um rich benefactor, um is like at the bar. <laughs> no, he's just he's talking to Mr. Barry, but like the door is closed. He's not in the same room, and he's like, "Hey, you're out of your mind." And Mr. <laughs> Barry's like, "Thumbs up." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so let's see here. I'm trying to, I found the guy who, oh, it, he was in Pirates of the Caribbean, um, but I don't know which character. The guy who played Nanny. Nana. Nana? Nanny? Nanny? The dog. The dog. We'll settle on the dog. So Mr. Barry comes home and he's trying to make things right. Mrs. Davies is coughing. Is that foreshadowing? Got the consumption. Consumption. Did they ever say what it was? Mm-hmm. Did we just think so? To assume it's the consumption. Isn't that what they called it? Yeah. And it's time for another adventure. With the Davies boys. Oh, this is uh, this is actually this is um, oh he was the soldier and. Who's one of the soldiers in Pirates of the Caribbean? Drop my phone, excuse me. So this is, uh, of course, they send the youngest boy to tell everyone and keep it a secret. Right. It's never a good idea. Now, I do, I would like to see the rest of this play. (laughs) It seems like it's pretty interesting. And now the boys have created the play. The Doubting Peter has written a play and seems that his, the tide is turning for young Peter. My, how the turntables. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, yeah, I know. I do like this because he is just kind of putting it out there and, and I get that. And he, he, and the, um, can't remember the actor's name, um, but he does a really good job of, of, of doing that bit where he wants to share, but he still has like the way he's standing. He just, he sells Mm -hmm. this, that he's 
very still nervous Timid. about how he it's has all going. the book in hand. Mm-hmm. He's the narrator. He's not one of the the characters. Mm-hmm. Kind of still, he's willing to believe it for others, but he's the outside looking in. I get that feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but and and I do and I do get that because he has to feel like no one gets him because he, you know, it's. He's lost his dad, and, you know, I I was fortunate enough to have both parents, but there was also a whole bunch of craziness in my family, which we're not going to get into, but just everyone just seemed like they were way busier than being able to actually spend a few minutes with me. So when you had anyone's attention, if it got interrupted, you know, like in a few minutes you see him just lose it, uh, you know, I get that, where it's Mm -hmm. like, this was my one time I had everyone's attention in the last year. <laughs> well, and he was finally like putting part of his heart out there. Yeah. That and it's probably a better way to say it. Um well, I mean, cuz he was so reticent all throughout saying this is not it's not real, it's not you know, we need to be serious. There's you know, and he's finally putting out his heart and soul that he's written into his journal. And then his mom turns out is very ill. Yeah. So, um, then of course, uh, uh, Mr. Barry comes up with another distraction for the kids. I would have thought of stamps on the ceiling, but I guess pencils were not as common. <laughs> I don't know if they'd work on plaster so well. I was going to say, in a cottage, they probably didn't have. <laughs> Wouldn't be as the... effective. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, you know, anytime the kids get a chance to do something that seems a little bit uh, mischievous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. There's the. Uh... Don't go to the hospital because that's where you die attitude. Right. Oh, tell you. That's one that I've, I've, you know, (laughs) I've seen a lot of that attitude with some family members in the past. Right. Is it a country thing? Might be a country thing. Farm thing. Poor thing. Possibly, yeah. Well, and does it ever say um, how long it was since the father passed? Uh, if if it is said, I don't recall. It doesn't seem, like, it seems fairly recent from what, you know. From everything From their going behaviors on. and, the, like, the mother hadn't moved in yet. Mm-hmm. Like, uh... Like the grandma hadn't moved in yet. It's like the mom was trying to keep it together. Yeah. Prove she could do it without the mom's help. Yeah. And this, this, this part here, he says father might take us fishing in a few weeks. And that's, I was actually listening to uh, another show and they were talking about um, one of the, one of the guests had been diagnosed with cancer. And she said it was very difficult trying to explain everything to the kids. 
not because she couldn't understand what was going on, but because she didn't want to just tell the kids what was going on. And they were they were younger, and they were they said they had to. She went back to the doctor and was talking about what she said to them, and the doctor's like, "No, you have to tell them what's going on. Not that, not that you're a little sick. Not that you have to take a pill mm-hmm. that might that's going to make things better. Because now every time they take Tylenol, they're going to be wondering, is this the pill that makes me lose my hair? Or is this the yeah. you know how sick am I really? Or, and uh, and you know this is kind of a different time. They didn't really." You know, you, you kind of sheltered people from illness in a way. Right. Well, and we have, like, it, it's a little bit sad, but it's also, I'm kind of grateful at the same time that, like, we've had, well, both Nathan and my father have passed. And so, um, like, my our, our children never got to meet their grandpas. And so we've had a lot of conversations about heaven and death and, like, what happens, you know, because mm-hmm. they see their um, little friends playing with their grandpas or coming back with stories from going fishing with them or, um, this and that. And so we've had a lot of conversations about that. And, um, and also there've been, uh, well, one of my students and then, um, a couple of the, um, adults that are affiliated with our school have had cancer over the past couple of years. And so, um, our oldest daughter's um, first, our, you know, her, she's had a lot of experience, like she's seen firsthand, you know, well, why is this person wearing a wig? Or why does this person always wear a hat? Or why, you know, why mm-hmm. this and why that? And um, just being able to talk about it with her and at, um, at a, you know, four to six year old um, level. Mm-hmm has been really interesting and we've 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 not you know really sheltered her a lot but you know kind of talked at that level and um and talked about why it's important you know especially during this time why it's important for us to um wear our masks when we're out or mm-hmm. um make sure we're washing our hands why she can't play with all of her friends because it's not just about us not getting sick it's about taking care of those friends that we know that have had cancer and are already immunocompromised and that it's not, it's not just about us staying safe. It's about, Mm -hmm. um, helping those other people too. Yeah. So just, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Not that we're grateful that those people are sick or those people have died, but we're, we're grateful that it, that we've had those experiences that, that it makes this conversation as to why we're staying home easier right and i think yeah well and and that she's uh gaining that understanding now you know and she's learning a level of empathy that not a lot of four and six-year-olds learn at that age Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and i think they're doing even though they definitely miss their friends and their schools um i think they understand and they're they're gaining a perspective of the greater good uh, much earlier on than a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, because that, that's one of the things that, and I don't get this, and I, I, I'm not fully equipped to have this conversation, but one of the things that's kind of been a little frustrating, real quick, I just love that scene where he wakes up and the dog, like, pulls the covers up. <laughs> um, but the, uh, it's been a, it's been a big 
push in in certain branches of Christianity to to say that empathy is a bad thing, and I get very frustrated by that line of thinking because it it doesn't seem correct. Because um, it's kind of like I hadn't heard, I've never gotten that feeling. Uh, well, no, it's not a feeling. It's like specifically, uh, people have been writing articles and yeah. That empathy is a bad em- thing. Empathy is, is of the devil because well, keeps you from being able to shocking. share the gospel because you're, you're not wanting to share truth. You're wanting to just feel how other people feel. Oh dear. And yeah, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. And I think that. <laughs> Speaking of not having empathy. <laughs> this character's like this suit coat he's uh getting his uh costume fitted he's like this feels a little tight <laughs> and mr barry's like no it's not tight enough <laughs> pull it in <laughs> yeah and he's like well he's like, what about the feels a little stiff in the back yes we'll put a plank up here <laughs> <laughs> hmm, sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you no no you're fine you're fine <laughs> I was just like well that's a funny parallel right there yeah, no, I, I just, yeah. So that's, like I said, I wasn't really prepared to have that conversation, but it's a, something I've, I've been noticing. Um, it, it's happening in, in certain branches of Christianity that they're saying we, sh- we should not be empathetic because empathy is, is us trying to uh, live in someone else's sin, basically. I'm like, what are you people? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, what? But what about, you know, Jesus came to earth and that he could, you know, we right? don't have a priest who can't relate, you know, mm-hmm. to what we're going through. Again, I'm paraphrasing a scripture, but you know right. what I'm saying. Well, and empathizing is not agreeing with the act of sin. Right. right? Like, it's like, I understand why you would feel this way. I understand the reasons you may have come to this conclusion. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you are, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm with you on this one. Like, when I heard it, I was like, really? This is a thing you could have said? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So, of course, I think, I think of course, m- most of, you know, most of the arguments we have in the church can be brought down to semantics and, you know. Just expand your vocabulary a little bit. You might actually get somewhere with your argument, but that's neither here nor there. Right. <laughs> I feel unempathetic Another towards Another plug the- <laughs> for education and reading and study. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why it's called a plug, but... <laughs> yeah, so... But. Yeah. I-, I should probably get off of that train before I get us in trouble. Okay. <laughs> So once again, the grandmother saying, you're ruining all their chances of making it in the world. Oh, that ship has sailed. She she needs to. That was, that was terribly unempathetic. Sorry. Um, Oh dear. But she's like, you're ruining her prospects of getting a husband and they're going to be destitute. mm -hmm. All that business. And, uh. So is this home? He's headed home. Yeah, to his where he actually lives, I think. And finds his wife reading his uh, journal, his 
notebook. His notebook, his new play. Yeah. Or thoughts about play. Because she was hoping to catch him in the act. <laughs> we all know which act. Yes. It's not act two. No, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You know, like there's about to make a really bad joke. It's like the bases. No, it's not where I was going with that. It's like the bad dad jokes. I've got the bad mom jokes. (laughs) So anyhow, she's still upset. She's even more upset that she didn't find something to be upset about. Right? Exactly. (laughs) Oh no. What I'm upset about now is I'm no longer your muse. Yeah. But at least she recognizes that he wrote a good play. That's what yeah. this, I mean, that's what the movie wants us to think, right? Right. It's all okay. Yeah. I. Uh... And. But has he? But. <laughs> Well, see, we didn't get that story. Right. She she said... Uh, um, we got everything after he gave up. I know. She said, I just wish I were a part of it. And he said, but I've tried to make you... I wanted you to be a part of it. I've tried. We don't see any of that in the movie. He's just like, hey. Yeah. I mean, I, I, but I mean, for that to be included in this movie, it would probably have to be like a... Be like a Peter Jackson style trilogy. I saw <laughs> I saw something today on social media that was like, if you make an eight hour movie, everyone's gonna be like, I'm not gonna watch that. It's too long. But if you break it up into an eight part miniseries, everyone will binge watch it in one night. <laughs> it's true. like it's true. <laughs> Hashtag Tiger King. Hey. No. <laughs> Watched it for research purposes. Because we live in Oklahoma. We also might have visited that zoo once. Oh my gosh. Before we six days before he was arrested. (laughs) Oh my word. I didn't know any of this was happening. We're just like, hey, day trip. This will be fun for the kiddos. Hey, the kids would like to see some dangerous animals at close proximity. That baboon though, he was angry. Was it a baboon? I think it was a baboon. Some kind of monkey that like was, to bare his teeth if you did not give him more snacks. He was really cute until we stopped giving him snacks. He was into the snacks. The bear, though. The bear was cool. You can feed the animals there if you haven't picked up on that. Although I think it's closed down now. Is I it, think they've, mm, they're they building a new, new one. one. I don't think it's completed. Anyhow, we digress. Uh, the connection was there's a dog on the stage. <laughs> I think animals. that's exactly how we got to where we were. <laughs> I love this. And he's about to pass out. Look, we get him teeth. (laughs) He can have mine. (laughs) And Dustin Hoffman's character is still like, this is, are we going to have another flop here? What is happening? The dog's the nanny. Well, you know. And there's a pirate. (laughs) Well, you know, if you have one failed play, you might as well write this, right? <laughs> go big or go home. I mean, if your investor tells you this is the last play, you might as well just throw, it's like season five, you know, <laughs> of, of every series. What? 
What was the one that you said is like the Disney grab bag of all the? Oh, the Pixar grab. It's uh, Meet the Robinsons. There's like all the ideas that they yes when, couldn't use another film. Yeah, when Grandpa's showing, uh, what's the kid's name? Young Mister Robinson. Yeah, when you sh- when 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 they're showing the the kid when he's showing the kid around the estate, there's all of the wacky off the wall things going on. And that scene is just like the Pixar grab bag of ideas of things that never got made into a whole story <laughs> that they just wanted to put the visual there. That's before they started doing the shorts. <laughs> no, I think they were still doing the shorts. I just think these were things that were like, this is just a funny idea, but we can't quite even make it into a short. So this looks like fun. <laughs> He's just floating along in the background. <laughs> oh, the scene. So the oldest um, son is asking about uh, the mom's actual condition, like what's really going on. And he won't, you know, he won't take a veiled answer. Mm-hmm. And so Mr. Barry finally tells him what's going on and um sees in the oldest son's eyes and says yep there it is now you've grown up mm-hmm. <laughs> oh the eyes the window to the soul bit yeah i you know this this is a really good scene i think it's it's played out very well and i do think there is that thing that and all of us that kind of longs for that person to be like, you're an adult now. And apparently that doesn't happen. <laughs> except <laughs> Now's for, the moment. Except for legally. It's supposed to be when you're 30, right? You get it all figured out. Oh, uh, you know, I, I've figured. heard 30. I, I've heard 40. 40 is the new 30, so. <laughs> no, I, I actually, so if it's 40, I've got 10 more years to figure it out if 50 is the new 40 yeah so (laughs) alu is which 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 40 is it because on 30 rock isn't it uh is it alec baldwin's character says the you know of course i don't i guess we're probably not the rich well he's like the rich 50 is the new 430 (laughs) yeah we'll meet in the middle yeah we're middle middle (laughs) middle-ish class (laughs) yeah Oh no! Don't! Oh dear! And the siblings are squabbling. It's this always going to end this in is, ruin. Yes. Oh. Yep. And Boom. he's got a broken arm. Yeah, that's never fun. You ever break a bone? I have never broken a bone. Oh. Maybe a toe, but broke my arm once. My cousin tossed me up in the air and then forgot to catch me. Someone called his name as I was in midair, and he turned around and was like, huh? shiny. I've dislocated a, well, dislocated or hyperextended a thumb, but that's about, about it. Yeah. That's why we're not going to encourage our girls to play sports. Acting. Well, I mean, maybe a non-contact sport or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's not really, like, many contact sports for girls is there no this was volleyball yeah volleyball got got me gotcha 
This is basketball the way they play it apparently. So it's that's basically true. a contact sport now. Yeah. Just run people right over. So here we are at the hospital. Getting his arm patched up. Always fun. And the oldest son has made a power play. No, that's not the oldest son. Yeah, that's the oldest. The oldest son yep. has made a power play and said, um, I won't let the doctors treat me unless mom will let them treat her. Let them treat her. So, and she's like, Mr. Barry, you did this. Oh, she's the pirate now. <laughs> Who's the pirate now? <laughs> and we are recording this a little late. So. Yeah, <laughs> we started two months a into silly. quarantine and had to wait till the children were mostly asleep. Yeah, ideally we can get a, a sitter loopy. to do this, but <laughs> mm. haven't done that yet. But yeah, so um, now where is he now? Did he go He's home? back home now and his wife has packed her things oh, and gone. Oh, came, came home late one too many times. Yep. He, she gave him one more chance, and his shenanigans got him into trouble. Yep. Well, that's what happens when you let little kids work the, the pull. <laughs> Run the show. <laughs> Run the show. Yeah, well, they, they work. They, they dropped him. They, the kids were the ones. Yeah. Right on the thing. Right on the arm. So is this uh, where they're getting ready to go? They're oh, getting, yeah. ready getting ready for ready. opening night. Opening night, yes. Of a little show called Peter Pan. Peter Pan. Uh, side note: Apparently, Wendy, the name Wendy, mm-hmm. originated with Peter Pan. Apparently, it was not actually a name. Oh, yeah. Before the, hmm. it was a weather condition. I could be wrong, but I read that somewhere on the internet, so I'm pretty sure it's true. <laughs> Oh no. Ugh, she has slow another motion episode. trash can falling. <laughs> um yeah, so she yeah, she does not make it. I I do love this where we're kind of back where we started. Mhm. Um waiting for the show to open. Is it going to be a full house? He's not using the He's mirror here. this time. He's just peeking right out there. Putting that eye right out on her. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't have much to say about this scene other than we're back where we started. Oh, and Dustin Hoffman is like, we have like a million empty seats that were reserved. 25. Well, million twenty-five. I did tell a piano student this week, I was like, it doesn't matter if you practice it a million times a day, if you're practicing it incorrectly. I was like, so when you practice it a million times a day this week, you have to be really picky about your finger numbers. And she's like, a million? And I was like, well, I might be exaggerating a little bit. She's like, a little bit? <laughs> yeah, well, five, you know. Can't even count that high. <laughs> So, yeah. Um, Anyhow, Dustin Hoffman's like, 25 seats that have been reserved. Where are these people that are going to sit in those seats? We have people lined up that can pay for them. 
But I'm okay. So here's the thing that bothers me: the last play, complete flop. Mm-hmm. This play, people are still lined up <laughs> at the door. What? I mean, what else is like? There's not much to do in this town, is there? <laughs> they must have a really good PR man. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, it's the their it's the, advertising was legit. The guy in the dog suits calling in his favors. He's like, if you go see any play this year, it's this one because I am working. I am sweating my tail off with a fake tail on. Oh dear. He's probably like, this is my last play ever. If you if you haven't come to my show yet. Now's the time. Because after this, I'm out. <laughs> Early retirement. <laughs> I do love that they have this they have a moment. moment here. Where she read the rest of the play and she put it, put it back together and read the rest of it. Aww. It's like his... Like his offering, almost mm-hmm. to his dying mother, and he never got he never got that fishing trip with his dad. So no. he's like, "I'm staying right here." Oh, there they are! And here come the twenty five, because Mister Barry knows that this play is going to resonate with the kids, mm-hmm. so he's reserved twenty five seats for the children of the local orphanage. Yeah, yeah, he which... knows he knows the demographic, mm-hmm. and he knows that when adults see kids laughing and being, you know, moved by anything, really, like. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like this evening, I was tickling our youngest daughter's feet, and she just is like belly laughing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, pretty soon, the whole you know the whole family is laughing along with her. Mm-hmm. So he knows what he's doing, and he loves kids, and he knows these you know kids from the orphanage need a little extra joy in their lives too. So I think. But but he is being very strategic though, because do you notice they're not all seated together in a group? Oh yeah, they're, they're he's they're... spaced them out throughout the theater, which as a teacher I'd say that's really good um, classroom management. There, <laughs> don't sit twenty five young kids together <laughs> during a play. Well, um, yeah, but he, also he... he's like he's stacking his deck here. Well, yeah, well if he'd if he had set them all together. Then people would just assume, oh, there's just this group of unruly children over there. Mm-hmm. But he's he's set them apparently. And I love this part here because he's got this group of kids, which I, which I presume a number of them are orphaned, based on how they came in. Yeah. And um, does it say that specifically, or am I just? I'm I'm pretty certain. Okay. And uh, but I could be making it up. But. I love this because you've got this guy who know, and this is this is kind of our. We haven't really talked a whole lot of like Bible ties through this whole thing, but you know you've got this guy who's kind of misunderstood, doing this new thing, and he brings these people. He brings the orphans in, and he gives them seats, and you know he has the ushers go in and make sure that. These high society, high class people know that 
No, these are these were mm-hmm. invited by the playwright. These are right. honored guests. They are to be here. Mm-hmm. And there's this this um rejuvenation of what's going on because you know at at the time the <laughs> the the um you know everything was so stuffy. Right. And it was so, you know, you go to the play, it's all it's it's high society and then mm-hmm. But he brings the children in in order to teach all these stuffy people who, oh, we know what going to the play is all about. It's about being high society and proper to teach them how to enjoy what it is that they're supposed to be in love with. You right. know? And so I, I love that. This, and I kind of see this idea of kind of how Jesus brought the, the uncultured Gentiles into the, the fold mm-hmm. to kind of rejuvenate and 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 bring the faith into the whole world right so that's yeah well and even at a simpler um parallel um you know let the little children come to me yeah you know like even taking it the simpler yeah and the, the child shall lead them kind of kind of idea and so i no, i i do love that where it's uh kind of reminds me too of a, uh, and I know it's it's kind of a, a bit of a stretch. It's not near as a close parallel, but with the uh, Mephibosheth and uh, who was I think he's Jonathan's son, and uh, the David says, you know, is there anyone in this house who, <clears throat> excuse me, anyone from the house of Saul who I I can honor? And they they bring him to the table, even though he's, you know, he's got broken feet. He's not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the king's table because you don't have people in the king's court who are lame mm-hmm. and David still brings him and honors him and so no, I, I love that uh, just that kind of idea of just bringing people who they have no right to be there and, you know, right. and I whenever I think of that I, you know, I always just reflect on myself and come up you know, I got no business <laughs> being involved with what God's doing yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah well even david you were saying mephibosheth but right wasn't he out tending the sheep or whatnot and mm-hmm. yeah you're like when wait he started these are none of these are the ones i'm supposed to anoint aren't there is there anyone else is there anyone else uh, yeah you know that's the theme all throughout yeah and even well and, and you know what's really funny is we hear that story about David but it's it's kind of funny because we've been going over uh Saul the story of Saul recently and even Saul when he was made king when they were going through their casting and they they came to present everyone they started casting lots on who was supposed to be uh who who uh Samuel was supposed to anoint king and they keep going down the line and down the line and down the line and they can't find anyone they're like and is there anyone else and Saul was like hiding among the baggage. And they're like, hey, there's a guy. And somebody's like, there's someone hiding over here among the baggage. Is it this guy? <laughs> so, we don't like any of these choices. Let's let's take him. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, the, I was thinking of Arrested Development where the, the lawyer's like, I shall hide behind this table. <laughs> <sighs> So anyway, that's neither here nor there. But go check out the uh, first Samuel for that one. That's pretty funny. <laughs> um 
And then you have even going a step farther here, um, not in this scene, but in the next scene where. Although I, before we get there, I do I do like this. Um, how they. Uh, I, I sorry, I kind of went on a, a bit of a tangent with the uh, going on my comparisons here, but I do love how when the play started, you could tell that the the people, all the adults were like what is even happening here and then when the when the kids started laughing is when the adults and it, it were just kind of like oh we can have fun yeah like this is okay we can laugh at ourselves we well can it laugh is at the in joke. fact a play right that's what i always tell my students when like i have a uh i have a big um I have a poster in my room that one of my students made for me because I was always saying this in class. I said, I just need a poster so I can just point to it. And it says progress, not perfection. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I forget that sometimes, especially when we're getting ready for a performance. And um, so I have that up in my room to remind me and the students that, you know, music's about joy. It's about um, coming alive. It's yes, we want to strive for excellence, but it's not about being perfect you know there's so mm -hmm. much more and um so now i've started saying you know what's well, called playing music because kids will be like i love music it's so fun well it is called playing you mm -hmm. know it's the same thing here like how did it become so stuffy and well um, and, and i think there's a scene I, i'm sorry not to cut you off but no, you're, there, there's it. a scene where uh dustin hoffman's character asks um barry What's it called? And he goes, mm. play. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a play. Mm -hmm. And it's basically telling him, like, you're trying to write, you're trying to write these esoteric things right. that are very serious and just write a good story. Mm -hmm. Let people play out a good story. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, yeah, there's a, there's definitely a, a, a lot to that. And that, yeah. That that actually that that keeping that in mind helps a lot with any performance. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's the t the kite, the t kite of the tail, the tail of the kite, the kite tail. So it's the it is the kite of the tail. <laughs> this this tail has a kite. Ooh, yeah. Well, there you go. It works both <laughs> ways. Look at that man. He was a genius. <laughs> Yeah, I do love it. It just, it just how the oh, there's those waves. Yeah, they're not quite as fancy as the other ones, <laughs> as the imaginary waves. But th this scene right here, um, yeah, where it it goes around the room, and I I think there's a yeah right here. It's like you you see, um, you see Peter gets it, mm -hmm. not not the one in the play, but the uh, the young Davies. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's that moment where he he finally gets what's going on, and that that why um, Mister uh, Mister Barry writes. Uh, I love it. It's just it's so well shot, and and again the 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 kid, and I know he's not a kid anymore, but he was a kid when he was doing this. The acting that role just nailed the whole performance especially at that age i mean there are a lot of complex emotions mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. this role 
he did a great job. I really should look up his name because I can't. I've referred to him a few times. He knows who he is. He <laughs> If you happen to be if you happen to be listening to this show, whoever you are, you did a great job. Well done, you. <laughs> and Mr. Barry and his wife or soon to be ex-wife kind of making their peace, I suppose. Freddie Highmore. Freddie Highmore. That's a uh, good job. Good on you. Have to see if there's anything else you've been in. And find out if your real name is Frederick. He looks more like a Frederick. Well, I would assume. Um, That's neither here nor there. Yeah, we can worry about that later. And this woman. Ah, uh, she's so sweet. She is. Mrs. Snow. Mrs. Snow, yeah. Well remembered. They've uh, become, um, they were, he, she and her husband were, I guess, supporters of the playhouse or. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah, he was, he was at the, the first play. Right. Right. But he's now passed. The husband is passed. Yeah. And she says the, this, um, that, yeah, she's. My I'm, uncle's character. Your uncle's character. <laughs> and, um, and. She says, it's all about the ticking of the clock, right? Mm -hmm. And it says, my husband would have loved the play. So I think it brought her some closure and peace as well. Yeah. And again, probably the ticking clock had more to do with Mrs. Davies as he was writing, mm -hmm. but um, just showing that piece of, you know, I don't know, you were saying earlier, like, we haven't really touched on all the spiritual ties and things, but, um, and I can't ever remember the, the author of the quote, but in um, college, my, one of my um, religion professors talked to, or actually it was my psychology professor talked about um all truth is god's truth mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so i think um you know whether you're explicitly yes like yes speaking and studying and specifically scripture and god is highly important but i think um all truth is god's truth and if you're seeing it through that lens you know like mm -hmm. here you know the the ticking clock in the crocodile was about Mrs. Davies, but she saw it in her husband. Mm -hmm. And so making those connections and those ties and those parallels, um, I think is part of, part of what the arts are about, right? Well, that's part of it. And, and that, that, that's a lot of what the arts are about. And, 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 and a well-told story, a well-crafted poem, a, a well-written song, um, all of those things transcend one person. And, um, we we can look at it and and, I, and like you said with with all truth as God's truth kind of idea is that you know God has this natural order and this natural story that we all resonate with and he's it's there and if we follow the ties back and that's one of the things that it it 
that's one of the reasons we do this, for one, is to kind of look and see, like, hey, where's society asking these questions? Mm-hmm. Um, where, where is culture? Where are individuals? Where are writers? Where are producers? How is it in art that, that, peop- that we can find these connecting points and say we know the bigger story? Um, but I, I think I, I get frustrated because there, there is pushback on that idea within a lot of Christian circles to mm-hmm. say, no, you know, and <laughs> we, we made the joke, uh, Emily and Joe and I made, made the joke that we kind of put a, uh, an embargo on doing, uh, the matrix or Braveheart as, <laughs> as movies, because we feel like people have kind of a lot of Christian writers and pastors have, have overused those. And I listened to a podcast recently and I do think it's funny if they even brought this up. They, they mentioned, you know, the matrix is not an allegory for Christ. And I'm like, well, the, the writers may not have intended that. I'm, I'm fairly certain they did not. But the fact that the story of, of, of Jesus and sacrifice and redemption and resurrection <laughs> is so heavily. Sorry, I'm not laughing at what <laughs> no. you're saying. The, the the character of the dog came in, and the actual dog was like, right. "What's happening?" Sorry, right. go on. No, 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 but but the story of 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 Christ's sacrifice and resurrection, I think, is so deeply ingrained in us, and so speaks so deeply to our hopes and our dreams and our aspirations as people and humans in general. That, excuse me, uh, that that even if a writer is not intending to write about that. The best stories tend to have those elements in them in some mm-hmm. way. And when Jesus says no greater love has a man than this, than to lay down his life for his brother. Um, and we, and we know that intrinsically. And when we read a good story that, inv- that, that includes those ideas of sacrifice and renewal and birth, we recognize it. And so I, I don't think that we can just say, oh, it's, it's definitely not ever that, but we can't ever say if it's a good story that it's devoid of that. Right. Yeah. Or that you, at least you can't make that connection and, and benefit from it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and grow from it. Yeah. And if it reminds you, and if it's something that reminds you of, of, Christ and his work in the world and on the cross and his resurrection, then you found something to redeem that work of art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's... Yeah, I remember uh, times that, and I know it's not necessary for a, a, a healthy, full faith, but sometimes it's just really encouraging when you're like studying a passage in scripture or something, and then it's like the sermon resonates with that on Sunday and then you watch something and you're like, Oh, it's there too. Oh, Mm -hmm. and it's there too, you know? And, uh, like you said, it may not have been intentional, but it's helping to complete the picture. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that, and that's, and again, that's part of why we, we do this show is to, to look for those things. And I wish I remembered enough of the Peter Pan story to think if there was any elements of that in the, Maybe since we didn't get a coming attractions done, we can do a following attractions. I don't know. (laughs) Go back and watch. Seems like a whole lot of work. (laughs) 
<laughs> what I love about this uh, sequence is they're doing the, he's brought in all of the actors um, to um, Mrs. Dave, to the Davies home because she was too ill to go to the theater. And so all of the boys and the mom and the grandmother are watching. And if you watch the beginning of the play in the home, she's looking on with disdain, like her arms crossed mm -hmm. and like looking down her nose. And then when they say, uh, if you believe in fairies, clap your hands, she's the first one to start clapping, you know? And so in, in the oh, go ahead, sorry. And so you see like her change you know like she's she's been kind of seeing it over the days you know mm -hmm. with the change in the boys and the change in um her daughter but she's still you know she's been so ingrained in or or the the societal expectations have been so ingrained in her either way or both and um but she's like you can see her heart, you know, just mm -hmm. like the play has made her come alive. And I think that goes back to that, too. It's like maybe sitting um, and listening to a sermon or reading a portion of scripture might not be what like sets the spark of the gospel or, you know, um, bans the flame of the Holy Spirit or <laughs> however you want to say it. But it may be like seeing this in a great story or in a great movie or, mm -hmm. you know, that's like, Oh, I'm still alive in there. You know, there's something more than all of this I've been taught. Yeah. It will. And, and, and yeah, I, I agree with you. I love the fact that when, you know, she, she claps and she's the first one to clap. She, uh, when, when everyone stands up, you can see that she's, you know, she's crying. Uh, and also, uh, Mr. Barry helps her up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and and she allows it, and she allows it. Yes, mm -hmm. and then um, that kind of is a precursor to what we're about to see. You know, of course, the the funeral, and then in a, a few minutes, she approaches um, Mr. Barry about taking care of the boys. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this is fairly dark ending here. <laughs> yeah, but it also shows Mr. Barry's. Unwa not Mr. Barry. Uh, yes, Mr. Barry. Mr. Barry's unwavering faith in humanity, I think, and in um, the power of the play, uh, the power of the story. Because even though the grandmother has completely shut him down numerous times, mm -hmm. um, he's given her space. And yet he's still done what he knows is right. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say in her face always. Right. Um, but for the good of um, the boys and the mother, um, those that are that are needing it and wanting it and accepting it. Um, and yet there at the end, he still offers his hand, mm -hmm. you know, to say, to say, you know, you're not left out of this if you're, if you're up for it now, you know, like it's not just for your daughter and the boys. Right. Right. And, and I do think it is interesting that you, I think it's, it's interesting that she kind of has that same experience 
that that Peter had, like you mentioned with the at, at the play, where it was like that moment where she got it, like Peter mm-hmm. got it in the audience. Yeah. And now um, Mrs. Davies has requested a joint, like joint custody, right, between the mother and Mr. Barry. Um, something along those lines. Uh, well, it, yeah, it's, it's her name's not Davies. I can't think of what it is. Uh, that was, Davies was the married name of the daughter, but well, that's, the, the, yeah, the that's, mother. That's what I meant. The, the, the mom that passed away had left in her oh, will okay. for it to be a joint. I guess I missed that conversation. Joint Sorry. Um, custody between her mother and Mr. Barry. And um, I think just the fact that the grandma has said, has offered that to him instead of trying to hide it or whatnot, she's realized his importance, mm-hmm. you know, the role. Um that he's played in the boys' lives. So she's had that change of heart. Well, and I, I think when you, I mean, because, I mean, she was there, obviously, as, as her daughter was dying, and can't imagine having to go through that. And, uh, but just seeing someone walk with these boys and and being an anchor for them, and even after there were they were so distant, I mean, because, you know, he had to spend some time away for a while before um, before she saw that play and all that. So there's there was quite a bit to that. I mean, uh, Sorry, I know this is a really heavy moment in the movie, but I've seen memes that are there's like so many memes about this. Oh, scene. my gosh. My favorite is um around the winter holidays. <laughs> There's one that that is, um, you know, the Johnny Depp's character is saying, are you all ready for, are you ready for Christmas? You got your presents under the tree or something like that. And the little boy looks up at him, this one right here, with tears in his eyes and says, no, my mother's a music teacher. Which is so perfect because I had like three winter performances. So it's like, thank God for Amazon Prime. <laughs> we can do the Christmas shopping like three days before. Yep, get it all from the couch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love my children. They're, you know, but sometimes work calls. They're what? <laughs> what? You said they're, you know, it was like they're, they're what? I don't. They're probably the number one priority in my life. You know, <laughs> I was I was joking. Like, okay. No, they're great. I like I like our kids too. That was the only but. <laughs> but no, I know that. Yeah, yeah. Now after well, quarantine, there might be no. I'm and that, that that's just that's just part of working in a school. You get busy at the holidays. Yeah. yeah. I I'm the janitor, and I get busy at the holidays because of all of my shows. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do help You're out welcome. with the shows quite a bit. <laughs> Anyhow, touching moment between the two. So, uh, if you're not into majorly touching moments, uh, you're welcome. I lightened it up for you there. <laughs> if you are, um, you, can just, run it, you can just run you, it back I'm without sorry. commentary. Yes. Uh, 
I'm not sure why they fade out here. I don't know. Because it's not like they revisit the bench, do they? Well, or maybe it's because it's like I see, I can see her. So uh, even if they're gone, I, I'm not, I didn't I'm not understand sure. that I didn't, either. I never quite understood the fade out. And his hat and umbrella are still there. They would not have stood the test of time, mm. I feel. Is it multiple choice? <laughs> D. All of the above. <laughs> and that's a great way to end the show. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Do you Anyhow. have any other, any other thoughts on Finding Neverland? Great cast. Great special effects. Um, I don't know why you're laughing at that. I'm not laughing. It's true. I'm giving a I wasn't laughing. summary. I was smiling. I've been homeschooling our kindergartner for the last two months. We're in summary mode. That's what we're doing. Some oh, summary. Okay. <laughs> not submarine. Did you hear submarine? No, I heard summary as in summer, as in like the season, not oh. summary. I like as in. No, she's been summarize. very clear. It's still spring. It and it will be for a little while. Yes. Until it's not. Insert quizzical look here. So, but yes, this is this is for a long time been one of my favorite movies. Um, well, since you know the early two thousands, anyway. Tugs at the heartstrings. Yeah, I do feel like I often uh, might have stopped it before the last scene. Not just that I didn't want to watch it, but I think I just got distracted after the play or fell asleep. Probably, I. I tend to do that. Yeah, so do I. Hey, we made it through the whole thing tonight. We did. Pretty good for a married couple. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, we didn't even get any kids interrupting us. Well, except for the first two times we tried to start it, but he edited that out. Yeah, the magic of technology. You don't know anything about that? Until now. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I just, I think it's a, it's a, it's a good story about uh, just renewal, figuring out what you need to do, starting over in some different ways. Um, the importance of the arts. The importance of the arts. Yeah. Yes. Um, and in, and helping people find joy in the things they should find joy in. Stop and, you know. Stop making things so, I don't know what the word is, uptight. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for there? What is You know what I'm talking about with the serious? people? The serious. Somber. Stuff. Somber. I, but yeah. there are somber moments, but there's joy in the middle of them. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think that's kind of one of the things for me with like the church is the gospel's good news. It's happy. Stop making it, you know, let's sing things as though we actually are happy to be in the kingdom. <laughs> that's, that's a good word. That's a good word. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a good one. Joy. Yeah. In the midst of sadness, darkness, seeming despair. Those are those are definitely things that go on. <laughs> so, did did you have anything to add before we uh, sign off here? 
I don't know. Are we supposed to keep talking all the way through the credits? I mean, we don't have to. But we can. Do you um, like talking to me? I like talking to you. I don't know <laughs> if they like listening to me talk to you. So. Uh, I did see that there are um, Mystery Science Theater glasses you can buy that have like the outline of the robots and the guy. So you can wear them all the time and always pretend you're like in. What is it? Mystery Science Theater. Yeah. That. So uh, or maybe you can just throw those on next time you listen to us um, and pretend that we're one of the robots or something. Yeah. You can pretend you're the the guy because you can be the host of the show so. maybe we can find a voice filter we could be robots yeah sounds great well, who's gonna be tom servo and who's gonna be crow i don't even know who you're talking about those are the robots anyway robots yep hey we made it to the end of the credits finding neverland Woo-hoo! hey everyone thank you so much for joining us um mickey <laughs> uh thanks for doing this it was you're, fun you're welcome let's stay <laughs> up past bedtime yep because so, uh, i love you I know. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thanks for that. Another movie reference. <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> so, now, uh, so everyone, thanks for joining us. If you want to uh, find out more about what we're doing, be sure to hit us up on the social medias, uh, facebook.com slash the commentarians or uh, Twitter at the commentarians pod, Instagram at the commentarians pod. No, hold on. Twitter, the comments pod, not commentarians pod. Uh, we'll get that fixed later. Um, or RavenCreeksc.com, where you can find uh, all of our uh, other shows at Raven Creek Social Club. You can find uh, Faith Under the Oddities, where I will be hanging out with my sister Emily under or, no Emily Dixon now. And uh, you can also find uh, Change My Mind with Luke T. Harrington, or uh, you know catch up with older episodes of the Commentarians, where you can see see not see here either me Emily or joe zaragoza uh talking over some other movies and sometimes me not very often though uh, don't you, worry you've been on here a few times yeah a couple. It's been a lot of fun so anyway everyone have a good night and we'll see you next time bye bye you've been listening to the commentarians podcast a raven creek social club production don't forget to follow us on facebook twitter and instagram if you like what you heard please leave us a review on itunes if you'd like to support our show, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thecommentarians. Thank you for listening, and until next time, remember, movies are a reflection of our lives and of other people's lives, and we get to experience them together. Come back to the movies with us. We love sharing them with you.